Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. I think video as a medium can really bring history to life in so many different ways, and there is so much information out there. I mean, you can look up any topic on YouTube and guaranteed there will be dozens of videos about the subject, and all from different creators who may bring something different or unique to the telling of a story. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Bridget Barbara, taking us through the key locations of the meetings between Benedict Arnold and John Andre in and around New York. And she's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the University of Pennsylvania Press, publishers of Captives of Liberty, Prisoners of War and the Politics of Vengeance in the American Revolution by T. Cole Jones, available wherever books are sold. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today, our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor, Bridget Barbara. And she'll be taking us on a tour of the key sites between John Andre and Benedict Arnold in their fateful rendezvous uh, against the Continental Army and the American Revolution. Normally... Journal of the American Revolution contributors write articles. That's not easy. And I like this week's episode because Bridget Barbara is not a writer, as most of our contributors are in the traditional sense. Uh, She works in the television industry and she produces YouTube videos. And one of the YouTube videos she produced uh, for our viewing pleasure, available at allthingsliberty.com, takes you to important locations where Benedict Arnold and John Andre met to exchange information. It's quite a story. Anyone who knows anything about me knows I'm a big believer in place and being there. You can read about a moment or an event in a textbook or an archive, but actually being on location, I think, is really critical for understanding it in the fullest sense. Now, we can't all visit these sites around New York City, especially now with travel being the way it is. But Bridget Barbara's high-quality YouTube video takes us in high definition to these places, and it's really just wonderful. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Bridget Barbara. Bridget Barbara, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your background. So my professional background is in television post-production, but for the past few years, I've been focused more on web and commercial production and YouTube. I have two YouTube channels. One is in Russian, and it's all about my life, my travels, and my journey of learning Russian. And my other channel is called The Curious World, which focuses on travel, history, and all things unusual. What first drew your interest into this topic? So I've always been interested in history just in general. I'll become like really obsessed with a particular time period for a while. And uh, this year it is the American Revolution. And all of that started earlier this year when I visited the African burial ground here in New York City. 
um, back when you could just waltz into a museum, I just decided to go on a whim and walking around, it just really reminded me in a big way of, I guess, the history that we have below our feet here in New York. And it uh, prompted me to try and learn as much as I could. So I started watching the Ken Burns New York documentary. Um, I started watching the show Turn, which I know is sort of historical fiction, but it's a great show. And it was in that show that I first learned about the character of John Andre, um, which is honestly surprising given that his counterpart, Benedict Arnold, is so incredibly famous to almost every American, but the name John Andre, I don't think has that same sort of name recognition, but the character really interested me. Um, and it was after that show ended when I was, you know, Googling all of the characters that um, I learned I actually live really close to, not only on a large scale, lots of Revolutionary War related locations, but more specifically the locations relevant to John Andre's story, or I guess the end to his story rather. Um, so yeah, I'm still pretty new to the subject. I, I still have a lot to learn. Um, I have a whole slew of books that I want to read on the subject of the revolution, but uh, it's been great so far. I'm having a great time. In history, we don't change our ways very easily. We've always tried to reach the masses through either books or articles, and that's pretty much the way it's been done for the last 200 years. Uh, how do you think new social media like YouTube, for example, uh, can really have an impact in spreading information and really uh, achieving the goals of history as a discipline? I think it provides so many advantages. Um, I think video as a medium can really bring history to life in so many different ways. And there is so much information out there. I mean, you can look up any topic on YouTube and guaranteed there will be dozens of videos about the subject and all from different creators who may bring something different or unique to the telling of a story. Um, and, you know, there's lots of museums and educational institutions that have YouTube channels as well. So there's always something to learn or some exciting historical <laughs> rabbit hole to go down. And of course the, vi the medium of video makes history just so much more accessible. You can see things up close and personal that you may never ever have had a chance to see otherwise. Um, and you know, it's, it's shareable. You, you see stories getting shared to people who, you know, probably wouldn't have come across it otherwise. Tell us about John Andre and Benedict Arnold's meeting at the trees in sight. Yeah. So what happened there was, uh, early in the morning when it was still dark on September 22nd, 1780, um, Andre was ferried to shore to meet Arnold, who was waiting for him among the trees along the shore in Haverstraw, which is where that marker is. You can sort of go down and just stand along the water and look and see um, where it would have happened. Um, uh, well, Arnold, Ar Benedict Arnold had requested an in-person meeting specifically. So, Arnold and Andre had a multi-hour meeting in which they discussed the terms of Arnold's defection and the handing over of West Point to the British. And um, because it was almost sunrise by the time they were finished, they thought that it wouldn't be prudent, I guess, for Andre to get rowed back to the ship um, because he might be seen. So they made the fateful decision to retire to a nearby house some, I think, three miles away behind Amer uh, American lines and wait for next nightfall. It was um, when they were at that house, which was a man named Joshua Hett Smith's house, 
the vulture, the ship that Andre had arrived on, started getting shot at by the Americans, which led to it sailing away, I think, some 12 miles farther down the Hudson, which effectively left Arnold, uh, sorry, which effectively left Andre stranded. Andre was effectively abandoned behind enemy lines. Where does he go next? So Andre was essentially stranded behind enemy lines. And um, because of that, they decided that Andre would be better off going back by land to British lines. Um, The house where they made this decision no longer exists right now. I think it's called the Helen Hayes Hospital, if I remember correctly. That is on the site where that was. And next to... um, Next to a Ford dealership, you can see a sign that says, that's about the, it's nicknamed the Treason House. It was Joshua Hetsmith's house. Um, There's a a marker there next to the entrance to the Ford dealership about that house. So it was at that house that no longer exists where they decided that um, Andre should change out of his British uniform and into civilian clothing. It is where Arnold gave Andre a pass made out to John Anderson, which was Andre's alias, and, um, and some other documents, you know, relating to their plot. And Arnold, um, Andre tucked all of these into his stocking. And then Andre set off with Joshua Hetsmith, the man whose house they had stayed at, and they set off together towards British lines. One of the best part about your videos is your visit to Sleepy Hollow. You say it's one of your favorite places for a few different reasons. What happens there? So I absolutely love Sleepy Hollow. I've been there about a million times, more or less, um, around Halloween. It's one of the best places to go, I think. They have the great jack-o'-lantern blaze. They have Horseman's Hollow, which is, you know, like a, like a scary maze where people jump out and scare you. It just comes alive because that is, you know, the setting of Sleepy Hollow, written by Washington Irving. Um, so it was in Sleepy Hollow or Terrytown, which is the actual city name where Andre was captured. So Joshua Hetsmith had actually left Andre to make the last 15 miles back to British lines by himself. So Andre was alone on the morning of September 23rd when he was stopped by three militiamen by the names of John Paulding, David Williams, and Isaac Van Wart. And given that this was wartime, you can only imagine how stressful it must have been to be on such secret business and then suddenly be approached by three men whose alliance you don't immediately know. Anyway, Andre unfortunately believed them to be on the British side, and he explained that he was a British officer on urgent business. Of course, it turns out the men were on the American side, and even after Andre hurriedly tried to backpedal and show his pass signed by Arnold, it was too late. Um, And famously, when searching his person, they found all of the documents hidden in Andre's stocking. So the monument that you can see in Terrytown is actually a pretty large monument. And somehow, I really don't know how, I had never seen it before. Or maybe I hadn't stopped and looked. I don't know. I just had no idea this was here. But it's right by the side of the road. Um, I think like a lot of people were walking by and only stopped when they saw me stopped looking at it, which was kind of cool. But the, the monument is actually to the captors, which looking online, a lot of people I think don't know that because um, John Andre in history is so loved, I guess, by both sides that I think a lot of people just assume the monument is to John Andre, but no, it is to the captors. 
um, those three men. And yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see. Could you give us some information on Andre's trial and verdict? Yeah. So the trial and so the trial was held in Tapan, New York. Andre was kept in Tapan, New York, and he was executed in Tapan, New York. And all of these locations are really close together. You could just walk to them. Um, the place where the trial was held, the actual structure no longer exists, but there's a church there now, and there's a little plaque on the side that talks about it. Also, all throughout Tapan, there are these blue markers. Um, it sort of felt like like how famous Liverpool is for the Beatles. It's like Tapan is just like, they're Andre crazy. It's so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can go and see that and you can walk around um, the place where Andre was held. It's called the 76 house. And you can walk around in there. It's a restaurant. Um, unfortunately, when I went, you know, it was prime Corona season. So I couldn't sit inside and eat, but I was actually allowed to walk around and look at all the stuff on their walls. They have so much cool stuff, lots of interesting, you know, historical objects and memorabilia and paintings and, and things like that. So I think it's definitely worth a stop by. Um, so the trial was actually pretty quick. Um, Andre was very open about what had happened. And he asserted that he was not a spy, of course, and that he had arrived in uniform on neutral territory, and that it was only due to these circumstances that he was forced to don civilian clothing and make his way back under an alias. Um, and also during the trial, Andre actually acknowledged that the ship that had brought him did not carry a flag of truth. So Andre had broken a number of rules and the board of officers um, determined that Andre was a spy and he was sentenced to death. Andre will be pitied by many on both sides when he's executed. Talk about his execution site and burial. Yeah, I think it was something that everyone knew had to be done, but I don't think anyone, even those who had, you know, declared him a spy, I don't think anyone wanted him to be put to death, but those were just the rules and it had to happen. Um, you know, Andre was held for a while and, you know, he interacted with a lot of different people, including Alexander Hamilton. And I think everyone just was really taken in by his charm. Andre was 30 years old and he was very well-spoken. He was just like everyone he met was just really impressed by him, his manners, the way he carried himself. Um, he was a man of culture, of arts. He had learned multiple languages, etc. So he was really respected, even though he was declared a spy and even though he was part of such a horrible, potentially catastrophic event that almost happened to the American cause. They, I think everyone sort of agree that he was more or less just a victim of circumstance, sort of in the wrong place, wrong time. He really took the fall for Benedict Arnold's treason because, you know, nothing ever really happened to Benedict Arnold. He made it safely to the British side and, you know, he was really in protection on the British side and never suffered any consequences. He did not get, you know, punished for his treason. Andre took that fall. What has been your greatest takeaway from visiting these places? And, and what do you think was your favorite place to visit? Well, apart from Terrytown being one of my favorite places in general, I would say that I most enjoyed 
visiting Haverstraw and the trees in sight just because there, you know, there are still trees there. It's still, you know, the shoreline is still there. It was a lot easier to just put yourself back in that time and just stand there and imagine. And that's one of my favorite things to do when I visit a place where, you know, something historical happened. I really just try to put myself in that place at that time. Um, and just in general, from visiting all of these places, it's, I know it's so cliche to say, but history is truly all around us. Not even just specifically Revolutionary War history, but anywhere you go, there is a story there. There is history behind it. And since my foray into Revolutionary War history, I've started to see my own backyard in a whole new light, you know, like names of streets, counties, locations along the Hudson that I've passed by a million times and never thought twice about. There's just so much right below the surface that's ready to be explored by anyone who's curious enough. And visiting these places really reminded me of that. You know, it's essentially all in my own backyard. This is all a short drive away from where I live. Bridget Barbara, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long. <laughs>